Good day of Shabbos, dear friends. We're Parshas Yisrael. Yisrael is mentioned a number of times. In fact, the whole Parsha is named after him. But uh, until we dig around in the Midrashim and the in some of the deeper sources, he really stays a very much a um, unknown character to us. Um, when he arrives in the beginning of this week's Parsha to convert, it's, uh, he's described as Kohen uh, Midian. Now that's a very strange description to give to a person who hasn't been the Kohen Midian already for quite a number of years. Kohen Midian means the, that he was uh, seemingly the chief priest of the of the idol worship over there, Rashi already told us um, when Moshe Rabbeinu encounters the daughters of Yisro shepherding the sheep. So Rashi tells us that uh, why does the daughters of the Koin Midian going out shepherding sheep? So Rav said because. Since Yisro um, understood that it was wrong, the idol worship that he'd been doing and everything, so he declared himself that he's absolving himself from all this idol worship, and uh, and he was put into nidui, he was put into into excommunication, and that's why the shepherds were harassing his daughters. He couldn't find even anyone to to. Um, work for him to, to take care of his sheep so that was uh, right before um, Moshe came to his house so this is this is uh, many years later uh, and and Yisro here is once again being described as Kohen Midian which seems to be in an appropriate description he he quit that job he was uh, you know with a uh, disgust uh, already many years ago and he's been trying to be a good person since then. So why now that he's coming to convert to Yiddishkeit, uh, the Torah is referring to him as Koin Midian. That's, uh, that's an obvious question. Um, there's, a, there's a peculiar comment from Rashi. Um, the Pesach describes Yisro as Vayavo Yisro Chosen Moshe Uvanov Veishto, so Yisro, uh, the father-in-law of Moshe, and and uh, and, the, and the children and the wife of Moshe, they all came to Moshe, El Hamidbar, out to the desert, Asher Hu Cholnesham, where he, where Moshe was encamped there, Har Elokim, by the mountain of God. So Rashi is bothered. Obviously, the fact that Yisro came out to the desert seems to be seems to be redundant. Um, obviously, we know where Moshe Rabbeinu is parked. That should be enough by itself. Just if it says he came to Moshe, we would know that that's that's where Moshe was. So says Rashi, quoting quoting the midrash that. It's coming to tell you the praises of Yisro 
Shaya Yoshi Bihvodu Shal Oilam he was sitting in the in a very honorable place, in the most honorable place in the world. Um, and he decided, you know what, for the truth, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to the desert. The desert obviously is the worst place, the emptiest place, the least comfortable place. So it means he literally went from the most luxurious, the most the most mechubedik place, position, um, and went to the worst place, the Midbar. And that's to tell you the praises of Yisro. Rabbeinu Bachiel elaborates and says that Yisro was, was a nichbud v'gadol, he was a very respectable person, he was a, he was a great person um, in, in his family, and he was the he was the priest in Midian, and he left all that behind to go uh, convert to to Avodos Hashem to Klausel. The obvious question is: We just said that already many years earlier, Yisro separated himself from Avodos Zara and was and was excommunicated, was put into Nidui, and uh, was actually being harassed by the local shepherds. His daughters were being harassed by the local shepherds. The um, morale is medayik that you see that it seemed pretty apparent that the shepherds used to do this to Yisro's daughters on a fairly regular basis. Maybe this time it was more extreme, maybe potentially even trying to drown them or, or, or do something terrible to them. But either way, this was uh, not the first time. Um, so what does this mean that Yisro had this, all this honor and, uh, and power and money and prestige and he left all this behind, seemingly he's uh, he's a nobody right now. He's he's uh, he's left it all because he denounced the idol worship. Um, additionally, another comment of Rashi that needs to be understood is Yisro is described as Chos and Moshe, the father-in-law of Moshe. So Rashi points out that this is a big reversal that. Uh, for Yisro to be identified, that his honor should be according to the fact that he's the father-in-law of Moshe. Whereas in the past, says Rashi, quoting Midrash, that in the past, Moshe used to make himself dependent on Yisro. Um, like the Pasuk in Shmos, Perak Dalad, Pasuk Yud Ches, says over there um, that Moshe went back to Yeser Chosno, to Yeser instead of Yisro, his name was Yeser, he had seven different names, but this is one of them, so uh, Yeser, his father-in-law. So Chazal understand over there that Moshe Rabbeinu had a status of being the son-in-law, right, he was the, he was the son-in-law of Yisro, people would, that, that's, that's how he was known, that's how he lived, um, whereas now it's reversed, now Yisro is described as the father of Moshe. Now Yisro is being uh, described in relation to Moshe. Um, so again, this is strange. W- what are we meant to understand? From the time Moshe Rabbeinu came to Midian, Yisro had already denounced idol worship. He was already uh, excommunicated. In what way was, Yis- was Moshe identifying himself as a son-in-law of Yisro, Yisro was the big man, and now there's a major role reversal, now Moshe is the big man, and Yisro is making himself defined by Moshe, how do we understand Yisro as being such a 
important problem person when seemingly he wasn't. These are all the questions are all kind of uh, in the same direction. What, what was the status of Yisro? We'd like to know um, in Midian at the, during all those years that Moshe Rabbeinu was living with him and then uh, finally at the time that Yisro heard about Yitzhiya Mitzrayim and decided to come to, uh, to Moshe to come, come to Haralokim. Okay, so the the important thing to understand over here is how w- w- what is happening behind the scenes. Who does who really is Yisro, and what is his relationship relationship to Moshe Rabbeinu? So, if you think about it, Yisro over here is representing the. He's, uh, uh, to a certain extent, a parallel of Avram Avinu. He was himself the head idol worshiper. He, 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 he tried every uh, religion, uh, every, every worship of uh, different idols and different powers in the world and understood at the end that it all really stems from the one God and he denounced all of that. But with, with denouncing it, it doesn't mean that he just became an atheist. Shalom, right? That's also a type of idol worship, um, but rather it means he became, he became a monotheist. So really, kind of what we don't talk about is you know, imagine this person. He was the he was the pope of uh, of Midian, right? Uh, giving all their ceremonial rites and and bringing all the sacrifices and everything. This is not just any person. This is this person uh, full of talent of of energy of drive and um, and then he realizes that this is all a lie so in addition to denouncing it what else did he do right what did he do after that did he just sit and play chess for the for the for the next uh, 10 years or, or however many years it was until um, coming to Harsinai um, so there's there's a fascinating, fascinating mechilta. And the mechilta, the midrash, says that um, the mechilta darshans the the pasuk that says the Yisro came with the two sons of Moshe, and the first one's name was Gershom. Ki Amar Ger Haisi Be'eres Nochria. So the Mechilta is bothered. What's this Eretz Nochria? So the Mechilta says it's Necher Ka, a land of a foreign god. And so the Mechilta says that when, when uh, Moshe wanted to marry Tzipora, and he was going to go and serve a different direction, he was going to go and serve Hashem, even though the rest of the world was serving Avodah Zarah. So Yusuf said to him, okay, your firstborn, he'll be for Avodah Zorah, and the rest of them can be for Shem Shemaim. And so that's why he was called Gershom, because Ger Haisi Be'eretz Necher Ka, that he was a foreigner over there in the land of idol worship. And this Midrash is obviously a, a, a Pella, a Yisro, who had denounced, like we said, who had denounced idol worship, 
Now, he's asking Moshe that his firstborn should be for idol worship, and more so that Moshe Rabbeinu should agree to such a crazy demand, that is such a terrible thing, that his son, his firstborn, should be for idol worship. So the Rav Tzadaka Kohen, Pritzadik, over here explains this Mechilta according to a Gemor in Balbasra. The Gemor says that a descendant of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu from, from Gershom um, eventually became the priest for the idol of Micha. And when he was asked, what are you doing? How can you do such a thing? He said, I have a tradition from my father's father's house, means from Moshe Rabbeinu, that Le'olam, Yaskir Atzmo, Le'avodozora, person should always rather rent himself out to serve Avodozora rather than be Mr. Libriyus, rather than be a, a no good uh, a, a dependent, a, a bum, a parasite on society. So the Gemara there explains that he made a mistake, that obviously it was not the intent of Moshe Rabbeinu, and rather the intent was a person should do even what's called an avoda zara lo, even a foreign work to him, meaning not idol worship, but even doing something which is not natural for you, even something that this is not really what you're cut out for, what, what you're cut out for, what you're supposed to be doing. You, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu was meant to be, uh, you know, serving Hashem the way that Bnei Yisrael serve Hashem, Tariyag Mitzvahs, etc. Um, and therefore his son as well was meant to be doing that. But Yisrael understood that the world should be done, it should be run differently. He, he had a perspective of the, uh, maybe the, the Noahite law, the, you know, the, the seven Noahite laws, the, the world is meant to be perfected in its physical state, to sow in the time of sowing, Plow the time of plowing, build build the world, build society, build uh, build bridges and roads, and that's what uh, that's what Yisro uh, wanted that that he that the firstborn son from this union, Sipor and Moshe, should be should serve, so to speak, the God um, in the way that Yisro understood it to be correct, which is. Uh, which was, of course, an avoda zora to Moshe. It was a foreign service to Moshe Rabbeinu, who wanted to, to Davka serve only um, the the way the Bnei Yisrael serve Hashem, which is with the Tariyak Mitzvahs, the 613 Mitzvahs. So, that was the, the setup. So, um, now, kind of seeing it like that, we understand that Yisro was actually, like Rashi brings from the Midrash, like the Rabbeinu Bahi explains, Yisro didn't just retire from being the Pope, and that was the end of it. He became extremely active in trying to encourage a proper way of life. And, uh, and uh, you know that to be attacking the world in the in the best way that he knew, and in, in to the extent that Moshe Rabbeinu was was helping him, Moshe Rabbeinu was his assistant, Moshe and, and his oldest son Gershom, and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu had to ask permission to leave because he was a uh, like a Talmud. He was he was, he made he was dependent on Yisro. Yisro was the main was the main character over here, and. Uh, 
eventually Yisro comes to realize that, that actually Moshe Rabbeinu now has, has discovered the real truth and uh, has the, the, the real avoda over there uh, and so Yisro has to go and, and find it and discover it and the Mechilta in the, in the next parak. Um, in Perry Base says that uh, when Yisro, after having converted, said to Moshe that he's going to be leaving, so Moshe and, uh, and Aaron they asked him, please not to go. So he said, "What use am I going to be to you? You, 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 Moshe are like the sun. Aaron is like the moon, and I'm like a candle. How, how can a candle help in a time of, of, of broad daylight? It's, it's useless, or even a strong moon time. Candle is not candle is so much weaker." Rather, I'm going to go back to my land, and I'm going to and I'm going to convert people. I'm going to convert them. Um, all the people of my of my country. I'll bring them to to the learning of Torah. And I'll bring them. Uh, under the wings of the divine presence, and that's what the pasuk says. Uh, pasuk and Shoftim ubnei keni chosen Moshe alu meir atmarim. So you see that there's there's an entire nation of people called the bnei keni, who are the descendants of chosen Moshe of of Yisro, um, and uh, they, they they were residing in the in the proximities of the land of Eretz Yisrael. Now, it's also apparent that these people didn't become actually Jewish. Um, in the prophecies of Bilaam, while he's Bilaam is giving out prophecies to all the local inhabitants, and one of the local inhabitants that gets a prophecy is the, are the Canaan. Now, most of the other inhabitants got quite negative prophecies because it was uh, they were enemies of Klausel or Rishoyim. The Canaan actually receive a very positive prophecy, a very good prophecy that they'll be protected, and even if there something happens, they'll, they'll, they'll assure the great Assyrian Empire that they drag them away. Hashem will bring them back. Quite, quite a positive uh, prophecy they receive. Um, also, we we know in Sefer Shoftim that uh, Sisera, the Russia, was was killed by. Yoel, Ashes, Haver, Akeni, and uh, the Mephorshim there explained that the Pasuk says that the Canaan had a Bris Shalom, had a peace agreement with, uh, with uh, the king Hatsor, uh, which was the, you know, Sisra was his general, um, and uh, they, they had a peace, peace treaty, the Canaan and them, even though B'nai Israel. Um, were at war with Sisera, but he had a peace treaty with the, with the Canaan. Now, Hever Akeni actually, according to some of Arsham, was Jewish. Uh, maybe uh, maybe he had converted individually, uh, but Sisera did know that. <laughs> so, and that's that's why he trusted Yael, and, and she killed him. But um, that, that's a discussion for another time. Unbelievable story. Um, but uh, the point being that you see that the, that the Canaan are people that are they're always near Klausrel. 
but they're not they're not they're not B'nai Israel. They're not, they didn't actually convert. Also, we see from from uh, in Shmuel when 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 um, Shaul goes to destroy Amalek, so he sees the Canaan kind of residing next to them, and he says, "Please move away, so that you shouldn't be destroyed together with the Amalekim." And then they move away, and that demoralizes the Amalekim. So the, these were people; these were local residents, seeming to be um, seemingly monotheistic followers of the sons of Yisro, uh, perhaps the sons of the converts that Yisro himself had made, um, but not, not B'nai Israel. The parallels between Moshe Rabbeinu and Yisro cannot be ignored. They both are described as having seven names. They're both uh, religious leaders, um, in fact, the Arizal identifies the, their respective neshamas as being the neshamas of Cain and Hevel. Uh, Yisro being a reincarnation of the neshama of Cain, Moshe being the reincarnation of the neshama of Hevel. And just like in that original relationship, there existed a, uh, a, a tension. Cain was the firstborn. He was the one that had the idea first to go and bring a carbon to Hashem. Hevel followed, but he followed in with a much gr- greater, much more beautiful way of doing it. So, who's right? What does Cain do? Now that he started the whole thing, but now Hevel has outdone him. So what does he do? Does he try to imitate his brother, his younger brother? Or does he get defensive and say, I, you know, you hijacked my avoda and uh, this is a war. Obviously, we know, sadly, he picked the latter. So that is the godless of Yisro, that Vayishma Yisro, over here, Yisro heard, Yisro understood that there's something greater here. Even though he has been the trailblazer, he is the one that was the head priest, the Pope in all of Midian the coin Midian and then he leaves that and becomes a, uh, uh, a leader in other sorts a leader of let's, let's call it Bnei Noach um, and maybe that's why he's again referred to as coin Midian now in a positive sense and yet he realizes that although Moshe until now has kind of been the one helping him out, now he sees that Moshe actually discovered a greater truth than the truth that Yisro had. And therefore Yisro leaves everything he has. He left his, his prestige, his power, his position, and went to accept the truth from Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, and, and to a certain extent undoing the harm of the Cain, and that's uh, th- that's that's a story of really um, the concept of Gemorim Brachas and Ketzavavarchan of Shomer Lepri, that when a fruit develops, a fruit develops first it has an outer shell, a husk of some sort, a Shomer Lepri, a guard to the fruit, and uh, initially um, it's the 
the main thing is, is, is this outer shell. In fact, some nuts are eaten in this state and you eat the outer shell and that's, that's the yummy part. And the part on the inside is really insignificant. But then as time goes, the inside grows and bigger and bigger and more delicious and the outside dries out and gives way to the inside. And the Shomer Lepri eventually either falls away or takes a back seat to the pre itself. And that's, we see the development with Cain and Hevel, where Cain was the first son, Hevel was the second one. Cain came up with the idea to serve Hashem, but Hevel advanced it to the next level. Uh, we see the same thing with Yisro being the father-in-law of Moshe. I mean, Moshe initially being kind of secondary to Yisro. Yisro was the main guy, and then eventually the, those roles reversing. And the godless that we see Yisro demonstrate over here is the humility, the truthfulness to give way, to step aside to a greater vision, to a greater visionary, to someone to um, advance the cause even further for the sake of truth and shalom. And that's the tremendous tikkun that Yisra made over here. Um, something for all of us to remember and strive for to even though a person may be the coin median maybe you're the greatest one right now in a certain area whatever it is but when you recognize that there's a there's going to be there's an R and a coin there's a there's a coin the true uh, a greater coin not, not a coin median but a coin to Hashem so you take that crown of coin median off your head and hand it over to him that we shouldn't each one be looking to be the top person, but rather to be looking for the truth, looking for the greatest level of Avodos Hashem, and uh, learning our this big lesson from Yisro. Good Shabbos.